Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, February 1st. We are here live. It's time for a free-for-all. We've only got an hour today, so jump in right now and join me. Those phone lines are open. Anything goes. 855-950-3835. Your call now button on your app should work as well. So we are going to jump right into things. Um, Let me check on a couple things. We are still testing different... uh, Some different mic setups. I'm trying to play around with some things that we'll be able to use for our remote host, the guys who are out on the road still working every day. Uh, So I'm checking on some sound. I should probably... uh, Oh, okay. Sounds good on the app. All right. Um, All right. Jump in and join us. Phone lines are open. It is a free-for-all. It's going to go quick. Coming up in the next hour, Mike and Kevin Beckett will be be doing Rolling Toe. Uh, all right. Sounds like we might have some audio issues on the phone system. It's working good on the app again. We'll see. Uh, I'm not sure why that might be. All right. We're going to keep going, though, because it sounds like everything's good on the app. As long as I can talk to the callers, we should be fine. Uh, I've got a couple things. Calls are already starting to come in, so we'll get to them here in just a couple minutes. Um, it's it's earnings season, so we get to uh, we get to see how some of the companies are doing in the economy. Publicly traded companies have to report all of their financial numbers. We have access to those. We can go read them. We can see exactly what's going on in these companies. And for the most part, it's not good right now. Uh, it's it's a weird economy. The stock market's still doing good. Some numbers look good, but many don't. Lots of layoffs still being reported. UPS laid off 12,000 this week, and they're talking about selling Coyote, their brokerage division. Um, one set of numbers that really shocked me was Heartland. Uh, you've heard me talk about Heartland for years. One of the most well-run trucking companies that I've followed, well-run financially. Their numbers are always really strong. Their operating ratio is one of the lowest in the industry. And that's a good thing. You want a low operating ratio. Theirs is usually significantly better than most other carriers their size. Uh, Not so much in the fourth quarter of 23. Their numbers looked pretty awful. Uh, I've seen some other carriers reporting uh, pretty bad numbers for fourth quarter. So pretty tough on the carriers right now. Also, the big brokerages are kind of seeing the same numbers. Uh, This is a pretty tough, tough situation for them right now. Um, There's still plenty of opportunities out there. There's still good paying freight. This is one of the weirdest recessions I've seen where it doesn't feel like it's completely across the board. I have small carriers still doing really well numbers-wise. So it's uh, it's different this time. But uh, the reports I'm seeing coming in from the big carriers and the big brokers don't look good at all right now. Um, this is a health topic, but uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been talking about this a lot. I read another uh, article this morning on Ozempic. There are probably 10 articles a day about Ozempic and Wagovi, Manjaro, 
Um, these are all, were all diabetic drugs. These are injectable drugs. You have to inject yourself every week with these drugs. The, the drug itself, like those are all brand names. Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro, those are brand names. They're all the same drug. Semaglutide is, I think that's how you say it, is the drug itself. And this is the one that everybody's taking now for weight loss. The celebrities jumped on board. Um, the article I read this morning was interesting because it's a lot of people who have taken this drug to lose weight and are now um, regretting doing that because of all the problems it's caused. This is a horrible trend. And I thought it was just going to be a fad, but it's actually getting worse. The uh, big pharmaceutical companies are now trying to develop even more powerful drugs to do this. It's just a really, really bad idea. Uh, I was really shocked by some of the stories I read this morning from mostly celebrities. They, several of them talked about losing five pounds one of the celebrities said she had been on the drug for quite some time wasn't really working for her she only lost five pounds but then she made the comment but it's not all bad people actually treat me different now that i lost five pounds how deluded are these people Really, they actually think somebody treats them different because they lost five pounds? Most people can't even recognize that you've lost five pounds. And if they can, if you can see a difference in somebody that lost five pounds, they probably didn't need to lose the five pounds to begin with. But they're willing to take these horribly toxic drugs with all kinds of crazy side effects, and we have no idea what long-term damage is on, on these drugs, but it's not good. But the, I, I was just shocked by that comment. People treat me differently since I lost five pounds. I could lose five pounds in the next two days. It's just, it, it, it's not that hard. It's, uh, oh, here's another one. Chelsea Handler. Uh, she was talking with one of her other celebrity girlfriends. They were at lunch and the other woman said, I, I just don't feel like eating. Uh, the, the Ozempic makes me nauseous and I don't feel like eating. Well, that's one way to lose weight. Just be nauseous all the time. Uh, Chelsea Handler responds. She said, you know, I, I've been feeling kind of nauseous lately too, but I don't know why I'm not taking Ozempic. And they got talking about things and Chelsea Handler actually made the comment, oh, well, yeah, I do give myself a shot every week, but my doctor didn't tell me it was Ozempic. I don't know what it is. You have got to be kidding me. These people are ignorant enough to, to be willing to inject themselves with a drug and not even know what it is. She acted like she didn't even know why she was taking it, but she didn't know that it was Ozempic. This whole phenomenon is just insane. Uh, I don't even know what to say about it. Pretty crazy stuff. Um, one other thing, I do want to continue reminding you that uh, CMC registration, CMC 2.0, we are relaunching. It is now an official event at the Mid-America Truck Show. We have two partners in the CMC now, um, truckstop.com is our partner and 
Matt's itself, the Mid-America Truck Show, uh, is now partnering with us to put on the CMC. Registration will be open soon. We were a little uh, little behind. Registration for Matt's is already open. And during that registration process, you'll be able to choose and register for the CMC as well. That should be up soon. I know Lisa and the team have been working pretty hard on um, getting that done. So we'll let you know as soon as it is. But I'm, I'm trying to tell people ahead of time, we expect that this event could sell out pretty quickly. We only have 200 seats available, and this is only a $100 ticket for a day and a half. That's incredibly inexpensive for that kind of a seminar. I mean, that would typically be a $500 to $1,000 ticket just for a seminar like that. Uh, This is... There's definitely going to be a lot of good information in this seminar. You're going to get to see the big picture of of the plan that we have for helping people become carriers. CMC is now Certified Master Carrier. We're going to teach you from the very beginning how to buy your first truck, how to get the business set up, and then how to operate that truck for maximum profit. How do you squeeze every penny of profit out of a single truck operation? We cover expenses, we cover revenue, we cover everything you could imagine. Everything I've learned in 40 years of doing this is being put into this program. The event at Matt's is the kickoff and a preview. So you're going to learn a lot. And like I said, it's only $100. You're going to learn a lot in that day and a half. But the big program itself will go on for an entire year. Now, you'll have an opportunity right there at the event to sign up. There will be a limited amount of people we can put into the year-long program as well. I don't know what that number is. We're still working on that. Um, The limit at Matt's is because of room size and just some logistics the first time we're doing this. Um, We want to make sure we get it right. And, you know, if we had 500 people sign up, it would be a lot more work right now. So this first event, pretty limited. 200 seats is all we've got available. And we will be putting a limit on the year-long program as well. Now, even though that's virtual, we still have to be careful how many people are in there because you're going to get a lot of one-on-one and question time in this program. So we have to manage how many people are in there. I can only help so many people directly like that. So if you are even remotely thinking that you might want to be a part of this CMC, uh, this CMC will go on for an entire year. This will be a a year-long program if you decide to go beyond the preview. Uh, We'll be doing um, live webinars with Q&A and and, um, lots and lots of information. We will be doing one every other week for the rest of the year, and then we'll culminate this class next year at Matt's, and we'll start another one. So uh, we're excited about it. Um, Oh, what just happened? I'm walking around talking, and it looks like we lost our show. So hold, please. Um, I will, uh, get a show started here. What is going on? 
Oh, boy, it just it totally kicked me out. Um, let me try this again. I have no idea what happened. I had a show going. I'm wandering around talking, and I look up, and my show is just gone. <sighs> Ready to connect. Click connect to show now. You are connected as the host. Welcome, host. You are now in the host room and can manage your callers from the Colin Studio web interface. All right, we'll try this again. Audio I, I'm recording still alive on, on the app, and you're still hearing me, but uh, our phone system decided to kick me out for some reason. All right, I'm not going to talk about all of our technical issues. We're, I'm tired of talking about them. I'm tired of fighting with them. Any day now, we are getting very close to starting our beta testing. We did run into one small issue. Programmers are working on it. So uh, we're back into the phone system. We had calls in there. They dropped, so you're going to have to redial back in. And it looks like we're actually having some audio issues on the phone system itself. Maybe that's why we had to reset maybe it's sounding better now we'll see um where was i cmc yes 200 seats registration is going to be open soon i don't have a time on that yet but i know we've submitted all of the information we need uh the mid-america truck show is doing all the registrations so as soon as they get that uh up and running we will let you know and if you're interested in this program, you want to sign up pretty quick. I, um, if we don't sell this out quickly, I'd be really shocked. Uh, we've had a lot of people waiting for the CMC to come back. 2018 was the last year we did this program. And this is new, updated, 2.0, expanded, bigger. Lots of good stuff that's going to come out of this. So uh, with that, we're going to get to the calls. They are starting to come back in, and I want to make sure our phone lines are going to work here. Um, let's give this a shot. Let's go to Minnesota. John, welcome. How are we doing, Kevin? Good, good. I can hear you. You can hear me. That's a good start. Yeah, I think I know why your radio programming is not working properly. Why is that? It's throwing a teenage fit that you're replacing it. That could be. I didn't think about that. You know, <laughs> it, it was funny the other day. Um, you've heard me talk about the resistance, that whole concept yep. of the book, the, the War of Art. The concept of behind the whole book is that when you are working on important projects things that could improve other people's lives or improve things or or when you're creating art like a writer writing a book or a musician writing a song when you're creating these things of value that there's this phenomenon that happens that he refers to as the resistance and his claim is and boy you start paying attention to this and it seems like he's really on to something even though it sounds so weird um, his claim is the more important and the more impactful the work that you're doing is going to be, the stronger the resistance is going to fight you. And it's these weird things like, you know, you, you've got an important meeting about this project and you go out in the morning and your car won't start for some reason. And then you get a ticket on the way there or whatever. It's just these things that get in your way. Other people. Um, yeah. And I've talked about it for years because I talk about that book. I talked about it during my last trip. 
I, I said that was a really important trip, the relationship with Nastic. Uh, we were doing several things on that trip, and a lot of things really went wrong. It seems like I was just fighting everything on that trip. The other day, Aaron and I were talking, and Aaron, and Aaron reads a lot of the same books I read. So I, I had assumed he had read this book, The War of Art, and he hadn't, but I didn't know that at the time. Aaron, we were talking, and Aaron's like, boy, I don't know what's going on lately. He said, it just seems like I got to fight through. He didn't use the word resistance. He used a different word, but it meant the same thing. Yep. And he was saying that, and yep. I said, Aaron, that's the book. And Aaron's like, what book? And I said, the War of Art. I talk, And I didn't realize he hadn't read that book. But what he was describing is exactly what the book was about. And it, it almost feels like that with this software. You know, we, we really planned this software out well. Um, it should have been done far sooner than it is. And we have right. run into just crazy issues that we never thought. And then on top of that, these two platforms that we're bouncing back and forth with now to keep our phone system working, we've used these for years with no problems before. And now that we, we need them for just a little bit longer to get us through, it seems like every day I'm fighting some new problem. Yep. Uh, another quick add-on to app building and all that, we were talking about doing a premium edition of fuel gauges or something to that extent and doing it paid possibly wait and wait wait, wait. having people wait hold on i don't think i've ever talked about okay. a paid version of fuel gauges well you were talking about a premium so they would put the all the uh oh that's right the data. that's right joel and i were okay. talking about that right okay right and at that point if you do that and, you know, whether you do paid or whatnot, but as a add-on to that, you could use my idea of the oil consumption tracking and, and the DEF tracking inside of that new fuel gauges yeah. app. DEF tracking, I think, is already on the list. And oil tracking, okay. that is a good one. You know, that, that is something We, we that, talked about that a while ago. Yeah. But, yeah, because yeah, when you go to get a rebuild or warranty, they want to know the fuel and the oil consumption, and this would all be in the app from the start. Yeah, and it's a good thing to track anyway. It's just a, a good indicator yeah, of is. the condition of our engine. Yeah, I, I like that. I'll have to make sure that we've got yep. that on a list somewhere. I'm pretty sure it already is. Good. The other question I have is you purchase something online and everything and it all gets tied into the same uh, both personal purchases and uh, business expenses all on the same receipt right what's the best way to separate those to also add calculate in the taxes on something like that um so this is a good point and a lot of people don't bother with the tax but you should um this is no different right. whether it's online or a Walmart receipt. At the I mean, store. Yeah, a lot of times we see people go shop somewhere. Look, in the grocery store, if you were to buy paper and pencils for your business, that, that's deductible. It's a business expense. doesn't matter right. that you add $300 worth of groceries and $10 worth of business stuff. That's still deductible, and you should keep track of that. 
I mean, the only system right. I know of, there, there's no real way to automate this or make it any easier that I'm aware of. Um, you just got to go through the receipt, highlight the business stuff, add it up. And then if you understand how to use the percentage function on your calculator while you're doing this, and you know your state sales tax percentage, you can just calculate that on your total deductible stuff right then. And then you just make those, if you're using profit gauges, you just make the entries into whatever category they are. If you bought oil, you could put it under maintenance. If you bought office supplies, you could put it under supplies, whatever it is. That's the only way I know. You got to manually go through, highlight them, and then recalculate the tax on that percentage. Yep. So, okay, I was just uh, wondering about that because I'm switching over to doing my own accounting good yeah my wife's done it so i didn't have the numbers in front of me all this time and so now i'm doing it myself so i can keep track of the numbers and it and uh i think that's really smart you know it, it's yeah. i've seen well look i experienced this firsthand when when i started my accounting service and we did everything. People sent us all the receipts, yep. all the settlements. We did it all. And I was so excited. And we did that for years. And I realized that yep. at some point when I was trying to work with people to get them to improve their numbers, I realized they had been paying us for years to do their accounting and they did not understand their own numbers. And we, we right. created a secondary program back then where you could use our software just like you can now, but you did the data entry. Originally, Profit Gages, I built that for us. That was our internal accounting right. system that I built so we could do better. And then we decided we should make this available as the software program itself and encourage people to do their own. Now, when we did that, and we, we convinced about half of our accounting clients to do it on their own, we took a huge financial hit. I mean, when they were paying us every month, they had to pay us you know, quite a bit of money every month to do that. And we encouraged them to just do it themselves because it was better for them. And we took the financial hit, but, but immediately, we started seeing a big difference between people doing their own accounting and people having us do it. The, the yeah. biggest advantage to having us do it was at the end of the year, it was done. You didn't have to worry about it for taxes. That's nice, but nobody was really understanding their own numbers. And when we realized that, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I want to help people do this right and understand their own numbers. And eventually we got out of the accounting business completely. And now we just make the software available and we'll train people. We'll help you with it. But we really think that small carriers and, and owner operators should be doing their own accounting. It's not that hard. It's really simple. It doesn't take that much time. And it makes a big difference in how much you're going to understand those numbers and how they're affecting your business. Yep. Thank you much for those questions or answers, and uh, hopefully you can get through the resistance fairly quickly here and put those uh, teenage uh, brats to bed. There you go. Good stuff. All right. We, uh, we're going to continue on with the calls. Looks like the phones are working. We're going to go to Florida. Matt, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Oh, very, 
already got two comments. First, uh, the receipts with co-mingled expenses between business and personal. Yeah. If you are incorporated, I highly recommend you do not do that. Oh, don't, it, it's don't a... go through the hassle of ringing up two separate receipts at Walmart, paying one with your personal credit or debit and the other with the business. That That's a good point. There's something else we, we've kind of been working on in the background. I don't know if I, I, I've brought this topic up before with some of our partners. I don't know if we'll ever do anything with this or not, but it's always a possibility. And I've always recommended, whether you're incorporated or not, Keep your personal and, and business finances as separate as possible. Have a business-only credit card. If you're going to use credit cards or debit cards, have one that's business-only. Have one that's personal. Yes, sometimes you got to ring things up twice. Not that big of a deal. That is a much, much better way of handling this. And you're right. For incorporations, the IRS kind of tells you you have to keep those separate. Now, Having them on the same receipt, I've never seen it be a problem because you you are separating the accounting part of it, but it's just a better idea to keep it separate. Now, the the thing we've talked about, um, we have talked about creating a business credit card for owner-operators tied into our accounting, where if, if you use that business card, your accounting would be almost automated uh, it would flow right into to profit gauges and populate itself. And um, we've talked about that with a couple other partners. I don't know if that would happen or not, but it is a good idea to have a separate business account and credit card. Yep. Yeah, I like to say it's if you are a sole proprietor, they really don't question a lot of that. You're just creating a paperwork hassle. Right. <laughs> but if you're incorporated, yeah, you... It's not that you can't do it, but you really should. I actually have a monthly uh, paper. You know, it's just a, I don't know what I'd, I'd even call it. It's just, just a list that I call petty cash. Yeah. So anytime, like, you know, a couple dollar thing here, whatever I pay cash for. So there's always a record of what the business spends, and, and it always balances at the end of every month. Yeah, perfect. Um, so second is the resistance. And I know, you know, everybody listening knows what you're struggling with, with the, with the phone lines and technology and all that, but it's not something we deal with, so we don't really understand it. So I'd like to give an example of that as a truck driver or, uh, well, as a business owner. Yeah. Getting your own freight, customer direct. It's amazing the amount of work you can put in for months and actually get everything all lined up and then something like, like for me, it's a dedicated weekly thing. Yeah. The, the new customer I had lined up for a southbound haul for direct freight, everything was perfect, went through all of their huge, I mean, it's, when you go direct, you're talking you're right. contracts and all the, the fees of late fees. And I mean, brokers have it too, but it's, it's nothing like a direct customer. Correct. Just to come to find out, we can't do it because they will not receive it on the date I need to deliver it. 
uh, isn't that and the the bigger the company you're trying to work with the more of these kinds of problems and issues you will face i i most of our partner companies when you think about it are not big companies we have a couple because sometimes you just have to i mean there it, it makes no sense to partner with a small load board load boards need size they need scale the the two big ones are the most popular for reasons um we're not going to deal with a small company that makes tires. That's that. That's just not how that that part of the industry works. So, we've had to partner with big companies, but I, I'm not wild about it. And here's part of the reason: You're, you don't build a relationship with a company, a corporation. You build a relationship with the people that work there. And the bigger the company is, the more likely those people will not stay in the same position. They'll move all over, and then you have to start all over again with a new relationship. But it's just necessary sometimes. But you're right. That's a good example of how you can put that much work into something and in the end get nothing out of it over something that simple. Yep. Yeah, and just that other example, so my... Oh, I think I'm coming up on five years, maybe six years, with my direct customer out of Florida. And I have been through one, two, three, four people that I deal with that are in charge of the shipping department in six years. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. everything's working great and then something changes. Well, you know, the, the other example of that for me was the... F- 15 years I was at Sirius XM, I'd have to go back and count, but I'll bet in 15 years I must have had eight or 10 different program directors. They would just come and go. I had one that he was the program director and I set up an appointment to just spend some time talking to him and getting to know him. And before the appointment came around, they had already replaced him. Yeah. So yeah, the, the resistance is real. It, it, it is the, real, the and, and and bigger the project is, yeah, and the the, the more it shows its face, you know? Yeah, and the, and the book is really worth listening to for anybody. I I hesitated ever recommending that book because it, it's about a writer. I mean, it's written by a writer, obviously, but he writes all kinds of other things. He's written screenplays. He's written other books. And he talks about the war of art, his art, writing books and what kind of things get in his way. And But it, it really applies to anybody, anywhere, doing anything. It's really not about the writing or the art. It's about this concept that the more important the work is we're trying to do, the more you can expect roadblocks and problems, and and it does seem to be true. I mean, I, I see it in my own life constantly. If I'm if I'm just taking a break from things, just kind of coasting and not really working on anything new, I don't see all any kinds of problems. But then, when I'm working on something that could really have an impact on our business and on other people, boy, it seems like the uh, the resistance wakes up and shows up. And I've, I've recommended this book before, just a, a fictional book, a long and, and good story, and explains the resistance in there pretty well, too. Uh, Stephen King, 11-22-63. Oh, yeah. And it, that's the date Kennedy was assassinated. And the characters in that book and how they're they're trying to change history, basically, is the, without giving the book away. 
and how the resistance fights them the closer to doing it. It's, so, so I'm going to ask you a question. That was a cool example in there. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question about the book, and I'm going to warn people ahead of time. This will kind of give you an idea of what the book is about. So if you want, don't want to hear this, turn it off for a couple minutes. So when did you listen to the book, Matt? Uh, I bet you it's been, you know, sometimes I think, you know, two, three years ago, but it's probably <laughs> been five or six. Then you find out it's 10, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do, do you remember it pretty well? Yep. So this was a weird book for me. I read the first 90% of it almost, you know, within a couple days. I mean, I got into the book. I had time. I, I read a lot of it all at once. I was really into it. And then something happened, and I don't even remember what. I got real busy with stuff. In the last 10%, I kept kind of just reading here and there, a couple minutes when I had time. The end of the book, to me, and, and I kept telling myself, I need to go back and reread the last couple of chapters again. The way the book ended was, a, you know what Stephen King's politics are like, right? Yep. You couldn't be more left, liberal, progressive than Stephen King. Seriously, that guy is so far off the left side, it's not even funny. And it used to be I didn't care because I really enjoyed his books. He's really talented. He's an excellent writer. Um, that's changed. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but I understood I what his politics were. Most recent book. What's that? I, I just finished Holly, the most recent book. Okay. All right. So, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, so knowing what his politics are, I was expecting something from the end of the book. When you find out, was he successful or not? Did he change history? I was expecting a certain outcome based on Stephen King's politics. Was it the exact opposite of what you expected? Yeah, because, yeah, it, <laughs> you, you think you're changing. Well, yeah, I think the point of that was, you think you're making a change for the better and the complete opposite happened. Yeah, but it, it, it almost went against his politics. It did go against his politics. It, it, with, with the outcome, the world should have, the country should have been an amazing place, right? Everything should have been great. But Well, I trying to remember the exact, but the reason I think in the book he gave that it turned out so bad was I mean, how do I, I don't know what I want to say. I don't know how much I should give away. The just book. go ahead and give it away. But, People are still listening yeah, and, so, and yeah, just yeah. go ahead and give it away. Cause you're right. There's no way to talk yeah, about I mean, this. Yeah. yeah. You know, he writes very sci-fi and, and just weird out there stuff. So the book is about time travel. Right. And the guy goes back and saves Kennedy's life. Then when he comes back to the current time, everything has gone to hell. Right. But he says because Kennedy lived, I think Kennedy won the re-election, but then after that, Barry Goldwater won, who really was kind of labeled as a libertarian. It, right. But because Kennedy served a second term, that swung everything hard to the right afterwards, and that's what destroyed the country. Oh. So it, yeah. it does actually follow his politics. If, Okay. See, I, I that, like I said, correctly. the last 10%, I just kept reading in bits and pieces, and it just wasn't making sense to me. 
um, why he would write the ending like that, knowing his politics. But I, I guess maybe if that's how it happened, it makes a little more sense. But I fully expected once I knew that he actually succeeded in the story and saved Kennedy's life that, you know, everything was going to be wonderful. And, and when it wasn't, I'm like, that was a weird ending. Yeah, because I think he explained it, you know, because Kennedy didn't die, so Johnson never became president. And, you know, right. Johnson was the great society and all that. That okay. part of our problem today. <laughs> yeah, that was... Oh. But it was, a re- it was a really good book. Now, uh, yeah. I did something on this last book that I almost never do. I, I have this weird thing about if I start a book, I'm going to finish it. And I've gotten away from that. I, I used to be, that was an ironclad rule. If I started a book, I was going to finish it. Yeah, I don't do that anymore because I just have too many books to read. Um, this one I ended quickly. Now, in a lot of Stephen King's books, you can kind of see his politics if you're really paying attention. Mostly, I, I understand his politics from comments he makes in his personal life. Most of his books are not in any way political in a way you would understand what his beliefs are. So it never bothered me. I mean, I I don't care what somebody's politics are. I can still appreciate their talent. I I don't care about movie stars or athletes or musicians. I don't care what their politics are. If they're talented and I enjoy their talent, then that's enough for me. And that's why I, I would... When Stephen King wrote a book, I would buy it. I've read everything he's ever written. I really like his writing. Except this last book, the politics were so in your face and so real about masks and vaccines and Trump being named specifically. and I just couldn't get through it. I don't think I made it through the first chapter. Yeah, so at least on the audio book, I'm assuming it's in the print too, but in uh what do they call it the editor's note they're not the editors but the author's notes yeah and he actually does address that and he does say because the character holly which is the name of the book you know he because this isn't the first book she's appeared in i think this is the third right third one already right you know most of his books kind of run together with some characters and he said you know because that character is far left leaning that he put it in there but he does say you know, aligns with my own personal beliefs. Well, yeah, and, yeah, and like I the said... The book itself I, was, there were a lot of spots that I'm like, come on, just the whole, every building they walked into, are you vaccinated? That's what you I know? mean. It was, it was so it was in your face, and it was so imbalanced. Look, if you're going to make the claim that, oh, well, I only wrote about that because that's what the character... Okay, well, why not put a good conservative character in there, too, as some balance? But But the whole point is... So his writing is so good. I've always read anything he's ever written until now. And I, I would not buy another book of his now without getting the preview first and reading the preview. Because, look, you can claim that's the character all you want, but I don't want to hear that in every storyline about vaccinations and masks and politics. and uh, Just just leave it out. Come yeah, on. It ruined the story. It absolutely ruined the story. Yeah. Because even then, you may not have made it far enough. They went out to a trailer park, and you know another character there, and about how they're, oh, we don't believe in all that. That's you know the whole thing is a joke, and basically, you know, a right right winger, and just 
paints him out to be a complete idiot. hillbilly idiot. You yep. Know? yep. 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 So. And, you know, like I said, I, it just, just leave it out of the book. It was so blatant, so over the top, so in your face. Everything was about, you know, masks and vaccines and politics and just I don't know why he would go down that road at this point in his career, but uh, it he he lost a reader. I mean, like I said, it, yep. I, it, I will not get excited about his next book. I may get get it and read the preview and see if it looks like this again, but I, I just don't want to read that kind of stuff. And I could say the same thing. I have picked up books. I just picked up another one the other day um, that it was the opposite. It was so far right, and all these topics were in your face throughout the book. I just quit reading it. I get enough of that crap in the news. I avoid news so I don't get stressed out over this stuff. I don't want to read it in my novels. So (laughs) I'd love other callers to call about good books, too. I think, you know, this is great topics. Um, You are short on time today. I'll I'll move along. Uh, It's great having... Brent back on and talking about the rates. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, he talked about how, you know, rates were climbing and especially reapers were way up. Right. Well, there was a reason for it. It was the weather yep. across what at least 50% of our country was affected by weather for a whole week straight. Yeah. And more so, well, the snow was part of it and delays, which that added to the total market. You know, any trucks getting delayed and stuck and whatnot. But the reefer side was way up because of the protect from freeze. A lot of dry van freight moves to reefers that can't get frozen. Oh, that's right. And now he said this week that reefers took the biggest hit. Well, <laughs> the weather across the country is warming up, so that's all right. the protect from freeze stuff disappeared out of the reefer market. So there, there's logic behind it, and it's, you know, it's just interesting seeing it and... Yeah, yeah, no and doubt. At this point, and I've talked to a few other people that have direct customers and stuff coming up for bid and wondering about, you know, re-quoting and, you know, dropping the rate because they're, they're under a contract yet from a year ago that the rate is good and strong. Right. But thinking we should drop it and... <laughs> you know, and, and... 5%, does that sound like too much or, you know, that's, that's always the question is how, how much do you drop it? Yeah, and this is one of the things that, that can get confusing in our market. I, I've talked about this before. You know, I, I, I make the comment that, look, if you're going to be successful in this business, you have to understand rates and lanes. You have to understand supply and demand and know that's what drives all of this. But it's complicated. And, and we're in a situation, again, where a lot of what we've been seeing about data doesn't make sense. There's contract freight and spot market freight, and they they can move inversely sometimes. They can move together sometimes. It doesn't always make sense. And in, in t- unless you've been doing this a long time and you dig into the reasons, sometimes it just doesn't seem logical. We're now seeing carriers start to struggle because there are times when the spot market can tank and the contract rate is still strong because it was a contract. I mean, you got to wait till that contract ends and you have to sign another one. Then you're going to be impacted by the drop in rates. So that can confuse things. And the 
the people on the other side of all these arguments that think it's the brokers and there's collusion and, and, and all this stuff, they don't understand the nuance of this data. So now they just claim that all the data is just wrong, that, that these companies are cheating people and they, they can't explain where their data comes from. The, the thing is, you could take multiple college courses on trying to understand data and still not understand data. It's a pretty complicated area. And, yeah, just to kind of put some context behind it, the people I've talked to and what I do myself is not just truckload, you know, one pick, one drop freight. It's either multi-drop or it wouldn't be considered LTL, but it's right. at least multi-drop. Yeah. And most of it is there's driver involvement somewhere, somehow, you know, it's not just bump a dock and hand your paperwork to somebody and wait in the truck. It's right. I basically unload my whole load going north. Yeah. Um, so there the competition obviously isn't as big. Considering it's usually a year or even over a year long contract, I think even brokers are afraid to cut the rate too much because if it turns, which I really don't think in the next year it's going to go gangbusters, but they don't want to get caught lowballing something on a long-term contract correct just like you know right now with the red sea and panama canal and all that if, if we end up having another disruption in the supply chain rates could go back up rates back up yeah yep. and at so, some point and it's always hard to predict this point at some point we will learn, lose enough capacity that rates will stabilize and start to come back up. And, and you, you have to be careful how you get caught in that cycle of bidding. Nope. So yeah, I'm leaning on like a 5% reduction in rate. And this is just the base rate. Right. Like I say, with, we, we have all the accessorial charges on fuel surcharge and drop pay and, and you know lumpers and different things like that. So it's, to me, it's still a fair rate and... I don't, I don't think we're worried about getting outbid. Which, good, good. For the most part, we're not really worried. The one other guy I've talked to that the, the relationship with the shipper is even if all the other bids come back lower than us, they would come to us and say, "Hey, here's the situation. Do you want to adjust your bid?" That's that's so a good relationship. Matter. Yeah, that that's a really good relationship to have. Uh, and the other thing I'm seeing this time, just as a general pattern, it seems like as the rates started to drop this time, that the shippers are being more loyal to their carriers. They're not going back to their carriers and trying to rape them over this and saying, look, I, I could get this rate 20% less. It, they do seem to be staying more loyal to their carriers this time. Well, and especially, you know, like I say, I'm reefer, so it's on-time delivery is a huge, huge ordeal. Yeah. On the on the shipper side, that you know, people complain that oh, a broker says we're getting fined for this or that if it's late. Though. <laughs> yeah. You, you should read the contracts that they have to sign with the shipper. That's right. <laughs> the the brokers actually aren't that aggressive on that side. No, they're not. No, because because the, the the broker world is highly competitive. You can't go out to shippers and demand much of anything. You've got to work with them or somebody else is going to come in and take the freight. Yep. 
All right, Matt, got to move along. Good yep. stuff. i to crank out a couple more calls here before we make room for rolling toe. Let's go to Florida. Steve, welcome. Yes, uh, how's it going, Kevin? Good. What's on your uh, mind today? Uh, that CMC you're having up there in Louisville. Yeah. Probably about three weeks ago, I made uh, made reservations to come up, come up there and take a look around. And you say, and we land on a Wednesday, uh, but we land like about ten o'clock. What time is uh, is that? Oh, uh, uh, what you're going to talk about? What time are you going to start that? I don't know that we have our hard time yet, but I can tell you the latest we will start it will be nine o'clock. And I think okay. they're even going to allow us in the building earlier, so it's possible we might start at 8. 8 a.m. was always our official starting time for CMC, and ask anybody that attends. Um, that does not mean 8.01. Um, yeah. It, it yes, was sir. always 8 o'clock. I don't think we were ever late starting um we stay pretty tight to a schedule so we we don't have that final number yet i'm hoping it's going to be eight o'clock i'm hoping they're going to allow us in the building early uh and i think in one of the meetings that show management told us we would be able to so I, i'm thinking it's going to be eight at the latest it's going to be nine okay so uh yeah we won't land up there like till 10 and uh well, you let me come in later, so I just make another. No, absolutely, you can like come in late, and I, I would encourage okay. people. I appreciate that. Yeah, it. Th- remember, there's going to be a lot of value in the the day and a half. I mean, you're going to learn a lot for a yes, hundred bucks to great value. But the real the real idea here is to to give you a preview and and to get you into the year long program. That's where the meat of all this is going to happen. So if you miss a couple hours that first day, it's no big deal. Okay, I appreciate that. So, uh, well, uh, now to get the tickets up there, uh, you, you were saying this uh, this morning that you're going to how, how am i supposed to get the tickets in order to come yeah so come we will let event. you know um the way it will work going forward is when you're registering for the truck show itself you have the options for add-ons other events and and ours will be okay. in there within the next couple I of days that. now as soon as that's okay. ready We'll let people like you know who have already registered for the truck show, but you'll be able to go back into that registration system and add the CMC. Okay. So, okay. I appreciate that. So, All right. Well, I'll see you up there and hope I learned something. I, I will look I've forward doing... to it and I will promise you, you're going to learn a whole bunch of some things. Yeah. Back in the early or the late eighties, early nineties, my father had a trucking company and he got me in this construction and I've been doing construction, you know, and, you know, and below boys and stuff like that. This is yeah. whatever it takes, you know, get the job done. But I'm getting tired of this. And I said, I want to get a truck and I want to go to America, you know, well, that's a good be time. A paid tourist. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody yeah, thinks it's tourist around there. That's right. Everybody thinks it's the worst time to get in. And, and I'm the opposite. This is the time to get into this business. Yes, sir. Yeah. So. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I and will look have forward to. Yeah, you too. I will look forward to seeing you there. Let's uh, let's go to Wisconsin. Brandy, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. So, Evan, uh, a book for Matt. Uh, 
or you as well, it's called Cruel Logic by Brian James Godwa, crime chiller. Yeah, it's it's really good. But the one the reason why I called is because of um, the resistance and all of your uh, technical issues. It's it's interesting. I picked up a book out of your store that I don't hear you talk about much, if, if ever. Um, when it's your turn, it's always your turn by Seth Godin. What a fantastic book! I haven't even finished it yet, but every time I'm reading it, it's like, wow. I, I find myself thinking about what your situation, which you're going through, or other drivers are going through, and I just highly recommend it. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I don't talk about Seth Godin's books a lot. I, I've read all of them. He's another author. When he writes a book, I just buy it. Um, I've read just about everything he's ever written. I don't talk about it much because his number one focus is marketing. It, and we just don't do a whole lot of marketing in, in trucking. Uh, so I don't, I don't recommend that book a lot, but I did a crazy experiment with that book at a CMC one year. Now, when you look at the cover of that book, if you would have walked into a bookstore and there's a million books in a bookstore and you're trying to figure out what it is you're going to read, would you even give that book a second glance? I'd be curious. It's like, what kind of picture is that? Well, it, it's such an awful cover. There's no good information on the cover about what you might get out of this book. It's such an odd picture. And he did this on purpose. I mean, Seth Godin doesn't need to sell a whole bunch of books. He's, he's been very successful, and he does weird things like this. I am positive that cover was picked for a reason, and it wasn't to sell books. It's almost the opposite, I think. I don't know why he did it that way, but when I looked at that book and then I read the contents, it was such a good book. And I, I thought, why did he put this weird cover on here? No real information about what the book is. So I did an experiment. We, when we do the CMC, we actually have a store on site. I mean, we move our store to the CMC itself and people can shop all week long and they do. So we put the book in the store we put it prominent so you couldn't miss it when you were walking into the store. And I, I, my test was I knew I was going to talk about this book on Friday, the last day. or Maybe it was Thursday. I can't remember which one. might have been Thursday. I knew I was going to talk about it in my open on Thursday morning. So I said, put the book in the store. Put it up front where you can't miss it. Maybe put another copy by the checkout so they see it again. And I want to see how many we sell up until Thursday. And I want to see how many we sell after Thursday when I talk about it. And it was even more extreme than I thought. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, not a single book sold. Not one. When I finished my open talking about that book, before we got to lunch that day, every copy was sold out. It gives you a place to, when you're frustrated with things and you don't understand things, it gives you something to place it on top of. So you're not, the whole weight of whatever you're going through, you're not feeling it. It just gives you, a, that's what I'm getting out of it. I just absolutely love it and I highly recommend it. He, he is an amazing writer, and, and he has a lot of the same thoughts as, as the book, The, the War of Art. Um, and his belief, his, his whole kind of theme, the thing that he really promotes is that 
you don't need to be chosen by some other entity, you know, to be a star or, or to sell a lot or, or whatever it might be that in today's world, we get to choose ourselves. The, the title of the book, What to Do When It's Your Turn, and it's always your turn. You, you, you get to choose when, when you want this to happen. And his belief is you only need a thousand people who really believe in what you do to support you and, and to build a good business out of. That you don't need 300,000 followers on TikTok um, that you can build a really successful business if you can find a thousand people that absolutely love what you do. It's just really good. And I just thought it'd be very applicable to what you're going through or anybody else is going through. The other thing that's interesting about this book is it's not a book you pick up and read from start to finish. You can open up this book to any page and read what's on that page and you'll get something from it. If you go to page 49 or somewhere around that area, I thought that was really applicable to what you were going through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're uh, So just knowing that this is a phenomenon, this, this um, resistance in the war of art thing, and, and he talks about it, Seth talks about it in a couple different ways, just knowing that it is a real thing and that people experience this, uh, just helps. I mean, you, you kind of know, okay, I, I just have to go through this. This is just part of um, trying to create something like this. And that helps just knowing that. So you know that just just keep pushing through and eventually you'll get this done. But the, the more you feel that resistance, the more you know you're probably on the right track. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thanks for the call. We do have to wrap this up. I see we have uh, the Becketts here, and they are uh, ready to jump in here. So I'm going to wrap up my show. We're going to roll right into their show. We're not going to restart anything. So you could start dialing right now. If you have any tire handling tire wear issues, alignment issues, any of those kinds of questions for the Becketts, jump in and start dialing right now. This is a call-in show. Uh, if we're going to have a show, you've got to call in. So jump in and join us. Uh, Rolling Toe is up next. I will see you back here tomorrow for a free-for-all and trucking technology and efficiency as well. We'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.